Hi. We're launching a new series on Sunday called Standing in the Rubble, which is looking at this new reality that we're in. Where do we, how do we position ourselves as a church as we emerge into this new reality and this new landscape? What's, what's God up to? What's going on? How is God utilizing this moment? What's, what is prophetic sense do we have? And what does formation look like in this new reality? And, and, and we're looking at that and we're launching on Sunday. And as part of that, I've been doing a number of conversations with people um, um, in our church in the Oval, um, and regionally and nationally and internationally, um, hearing different voices. Um, and one of the voices I've been speaking to this week, uh, earlier in the week, I'd, I'd arranged to speak to um, was Mike Coriel. Uh, he's a good friend of mine, a leader, significant leader in the black community, um, particularly in Birmingham, but also nationally. And, um, and Obviously, rather than talking about standing in the rubble as much, we actually end up talking about Black Lives Matter and what's going on in America and the issue of racism and how does the church um, respond to that. And, um, and it was a profound conversation. There's so much wisdom in it. Um, so I didn't want to wait. I didn't want to wait until we started the, season, the, the series next week and, because I felt like actually it's important um, for us to sit and listen. Um, to this now there will be other conversations that I'm doing um, as well around this issue with people um, I'm doing have done um, which we're going to be releasing over the coming days as well but I wanted to um, invite you to listen to this conversation with Mike and um, yeah and let it do something in us so take the time to listen Great. Welcome to Standing in the Rubble. Um, this is a series of conversations where we um, ask, um, where we look at all the shaking that's going on, the new realities that are emerging in our towns, in our neighbourhoods, in our nation and in the world, the shaking that is going on. And how do we as the church position ourselves? Um, how do we step into this new reality? How do we respond and react and bring about and engage in with what God is doing? And today, to join me in this conversation, I have Bishop Mike Royal, a um, really good friend of mine. Um, he's co-chief executive of Cinnamon Network UK. Um, he's also um, a national pioneer for um, TLG, um, which is a program that works in schools across the country, um, working with young people. So great to have you with us, Mike. Thank you. Great to be here. And. Um, Thank you for so much. Thank you so much for joining in the conversation. I mean, it seems just to put a bit of context. I'm not sure when this one's going out, but we we are having this conversation um, the morning after Donald Trump has um, stood um, outside a church holding a Bible in the air, um, invoking God's blessing on his nation as he tear gases his people, as he um, demands that his governors. Um, dominate uh, the people protesting um, in the streets um, that black lives matter um, it it feels difficult to start anywhere else this is part of the shaking this is part of what is going on in our world it's a it feels like a a key moment um, it feels like a dramatic moment that just weighs heavily on us um, so let me just invite you to speak into um, into that um what do you perceive is going on in america and what do you perceive is happening here in the uk 
Um, what are the ripples of that that are working here in the UK? Yeah, um, I mean, just my first comment on um, the President of the United States standing um, in front of a church um, where the Bishop of that church has given you um, no authority um, actually um, is, uh, 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 well, it is uh, an, an anathema to everything that the gospel stands for. And I'm yeah. pleased to hear um, that the Bishop of St. John's um, has spoken out um, against what yeah. happened there. I think the second thing I would say is, is that the president that was standing in front of that church was the president on the Friday before who was hiding in a bunker um, with his wife and his children. Look, what's happening in America is a difficult situation, but it's clear, very clear for me, that a, a man has been, I'm gonna use a strong word, has been lynched on the street, murdered um, by the very people who actually are employed by a city to protect the public. And still up to now, we have three of the four officers at large. So while people are being arrested uh, for looting, there are three people who the police superintendent of the city have said are, are complicit in the homicide and murder of an individual. And yet, actually, the focus on much of the mainstream media is on the looting and taking of Louis Vuitton bag rather than on the fact that three out of the four murderers are still at large. I would just say, let that sink in. Mm. And I think it's such a, you know, I was, I was angry last night. I was angry as a, as a church leader. I was angry as a, as a Christian. I was angry because it, um, because the president, I felt the president was taking the Lord's name in vain. Um, you know, the, the point of that commandment is not saying, oh, don't say, oh God, or oh, Jesus Christ, or whatever. The point of that commandment is don't, don't take upon yourself the name of God and then live in opposition to the nature of God. Don't, don't position yourself as someone who is representing God or a Christian or even the president of a Christian nation. Um, and then behave in such a way that brings dishonor, that leaves that name like empty, um, is, the, is the Hebrew. And, and I can't think of a starker example of, of that than the president standing and calling um, for violence on his own people whilst holding a Bible in the air. And, and, and I feel that anger as a church, as a church leader, as a follower of Jesus, as a, but can you can you give some insight because 
I'm a, I care passionately in the in humanity and Black Lives Matter seems a very obvious thing to me, but I, can you speak, can you give us some insight into the pain and the anger and the, what happens in your soul as a, as a representative of that community when you see your brothers being killed in that way, being um, attacked in the way they're now being attacked on the streets, being villainized in the way they're being villainized just for demanding a voice. Like, what, what does, can you give us some insight to what happens um, in the soul? Yeah, I, I, I think firstly, I just want to speak again into um, just, that taking the Lord's name in vain, that so that photo opportunity, because that's that's effectively what it is. Look, you know, the whole thing of um, the police um, tear gassing, um, knocking um, tear gassing the crowd, knocking the press out of the way, so that the president can march up to a church and stand there with the Bible, for me, is symbolic and representative of actually some of Western Christianity. That is a Christianity that for too long has preached law and order without justice. And I'm hearing a lot of calls for peace right now, but what I want to say to you is this, is, is that peace and justice are dialogical. They, they work together. They're not intention. It was wrong to say they're intention. They actually work together. And real peace, as Martin Luther said, is not the absence of tension. It is actually the, the presence of justice. And so, if you have a minority who are oppressed, and then you have those who are at the top and those in the middle who are comfortable, who are oppressing, and that continues to be the structure and the system mm. of the world in that nation and in the nations of the world, I say that there can be no peace and so the protests will probably continue and and so will the looting and so will the rioting how does it make me feel in my soul it's trauma upon trauma as a black person this week one of my neighbors has passed away over this coronavirus period. We know that the black community throughout the West has been disproportionately impacted by coronavirus. In Africa, thank God, on the whole, the leaders of Africa grabbed hold of it early and protected their communities, but not here mm. in the West. We've been disproportionately impacted. We are disproportionately working on the front line as cleaners, as nurses, often as doctors, um, and other key workers. Um, 
and then to put on top of the trauma of so many deaths in our community, countless deaths here in Birmingham, countless deaths. We now watch on our TVs a man being suffocated to death because a police officer is kneeling on his neck for nearly nine minutes. How does that make me feel? It makes me feel traumatized. As a man, it makes me feel furious. The tendency is, as black people, is, is that we internalize our feelings. But what it says to me is this, in that moment, in that moment, actually the scary thing is, is that um, you have a, a whole generation of young black men and black women who potentially are radicalized by that image. And, and so it's a moment of fury, a moment of pain, but a moment also of deep concern about the rising generation. One, I'll say this and then I'll let you come in. No, you carry on. And one of my close friends, a bishop in my denomination in South East London, um, posted Ghanaian um, heritage, got free boys, posted something. And what was telling me is this. He said, I can feel the revenge in my voice. I can feel the revenge. We, we are... We are living in dangerous times. And that's why I say peace on the left, but justice on the right, to echo the words of Terence Floyd, um, George Floyd's brother, yesterday. Mm. Yeah, it's... Um, it has been. It's been a... Um, it's been such a um, painful, um, been such a painful thing to watch, and um, and to see a nation so so deeply um, divided and scarred and torn. To see um, to see the the courage and the determination and the fear and the and the anger and the pain um, etched on so many faces. Um, so I guess my question is, cause that's, you know, it would be easy for us to go, but that's across the Atlantic. That's in America. Oh, they have a unique problem over there. Um, that's a, you know, this has been coming. You think back to Martin Luther King, you think back to the slavery, you know, but it's not a unique problem. No. This is, this is our problem too. Um, what can you speak into that where, where are we at here in the uk yeah um death in custody i i am a chaplain um uh, uh for birmingham and solihull mental health foundation trust um my views expressed in this interview are my own views but i work in a medium secure setting um one one day a week um and the secure setting is one where death in custody um, is a long history and a long problem. Um, 
uh, uh, and and death in prison cell, death um, during the course of arrest. Um, nearly every disturbance and 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 uprising that we've seen in this country, um, right back going right back to um, actually the fifties. Um, yeah, Nottingham, Notting Hill, and then we get to the 80s and we see Brixton here in Hansworth where I live in Birmingham, Mosside in Manchester, St Paul's in Bristol, Toxteth in Liverpool. What do they all have in common? Nearly every time it involved death in custody. This is Britain's story, not just America's story. Mm. And, and as Christians, we follow, we follow a man called Jesus who, um, who, who took us to the margins, who, who sat with the people who were oppressed, who came into a society that was in occupation, that was um, in terror. Um, that was subjugated, that was, um, we, we follow a God who was for the slave, who freed the Israelites from slavery and then warned them to not become the oppressors. We, we follow um, Jesus, who who's, not only was his heart for the outsider and the marginalized, and his teaching to us was so clear about being with the marginalized and being with the poor and being with the oppressed and being a voice for the voiceless, but challenged, didn't confront people's personal sin anywhere near as much as he confronted systemic sin. He confronted powers, he confronted religious powers, he confronted political powers, he confronted spiritual powers. As followers of Jesus, who modeled that for us, who called us to that, do you have any thoughts on how we confront this systemic sin, these, this power um political religious um cultural right how, how do we confront this in this new landscape this whole conversation you know this series of conversations about standing in the rubble and it feels like you know we're in the rubble in so many ways here like how do we um not just you know hope that this renewal of god brings about lots of more people believing in god but actually challenge systems confront systemic um, power that oppresses people, that enslaves people, that kills people? I think firstly we need to do a lot of listening and my encouragement to people is is to listen to the voices at the margins, listen to the voices that you don't normally hear. There are a lot of voices from the black community who are speaking at the moment. You can go onto Twitter, you can go onto Instagram, you can go onto Facebook, you can go onto social media platform generally, and you will, you will, you will see and you will hear and you will read what they're saying. And my encouragement is to, for people to do a lot of listening um, to those voices. But I, I think that we then need to go and reflect. And I think that we need to start our reflection in the Bible. And, and actually, we need to reread 
the Bible. I think of the, the story um, of um, the Good Samaritan, when Jesus tells that story. And, and, and when the man, uh, you know, challenges sort of Jesus, you know, Jesus says to him, love the Lord your God. You know, he says to Jesus, love the Lord your God with all your heart, Lord your mind, all your soul, uh, and love your, your neighbor um, as, as yourself. Um, how do you read it? And the man asks, well, who is my neighbor? And Jesus begins to, to tell the story. But there's a, there's a small kind of verse there that's so often missed. He says, he says how do you read it? And I think that there is uh, an invitation in that story to reread the Bible, to reread the text. That sin is not just personal sin. Yeah. Sin is systemic in society. And, and, and so if that is so, then repentance is not just a personal issue, but actually there's a call to the church to repent on behalf of the nation. But sacrificial atonement is not just that Jesus died for me and Jesus died for you, but sacrificial atonement. Jesus identifies with the man on the lynching tree. Jesus identifies with the man lying on the ground with a police officer with a knee on the ground, rather than a Roman officer who is piercing his mm. side. That's my invitation is reread the text. I mean, go and speak to some folks, speak to people, perhaps friends that you know, but, but do the listening. Because the tendency is, as black people, is we internalise our pain. So we don't even want to speak about it. You might get a reaction from some people, I just don't want to speak about it. And that is because they, 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 they're almost internalising what they're feeling and pretending somehow that this is not happening. So that's, 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 that's just a, a few pointers in the right direction. Listen to some new voices, listen to some voices on the margin. Go away, reflect, reread the text. That, but, um, but watch, watch what's happening on the yeah. TV, watch what's happening on social media, and don't allow the mass media to interpret for you. Allow the Spirit of God to speak to you so that you get a prophetic interpretation and you are then in and at the right time and in the right way, able to speak prophetically by the power of the Holy Spirit into the situation. And right now, that's what I'm trying to do. Mm, that's so good, Mike. And I love that invitation, you know, even as we're watching the news, to ask the Spirit to show us where is Jesus in this in this situation where is jesus on this in this where where do we find god in this um in this story in this in these scenes that are playing out in front of us i love that and the, and the rereading the bible 
I, as such wisdom, Mike, to, that we should go back to our scriptures and read them in the current context. I remember we um, did a series on Mark, I'm sure we, you and I have talked about this, and, um, and just because we understood that Jesus is a revelation of what God is like, and we wanted to go and see what Jesus was like, and, and we went through the book of Mark, and I think it was about 20 months, 22 months, something like that, and, um, and just the whole new perspective on who Jesus was. And, and one of the verses that sticks out that feels maybe relevant for now is when Jesus stands in front of the Temple Mount and says, if you say to this mountain to be thrown in the sea and you have even the smallest amount of faith, it will be thrown into the sea. Um, which we sing about in our, God will move the mountains. If I've got a problem, I've got enough faith, God will make my problems disappear. That's not what Jesus was saying. He was looking at this center of power. He was looking at the system of power and oppression. And he said, if you have even a small amount of faith, you have enough faith, you say to this whole system to be thrown in the sea, it will happen. Like, and and maybe, there's, um, maybe there's something for us today. Um, maybe there's something for us today in that. Um, Jesus came to confront how systems of power that oppress people, um, not just our individual sins, as you say. Um, yeah, that invitation to go and read scripture again in light of the current reality um, is beautiful. Thank you so much. Yeah, I, 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 just, I just want to say that, that, that the, the Church of the Acts of the Apostles was a radical underground movement um, that despite the trauma of the cross, and all that the disciples went through, the fear that they felt as they literally in that moment ran for their lives, um, denying some of them that they even knew Jesus, to the Holy Spirit coming on the church and that boldness um, for the church to stand up. So that literally within that year, from pain and defeat, the disciples have been transformed into the leader of an underground movement that was literally shaking the city. I wonder in this moment whether the church in the West can be that underground movement that literally shakes nations in this moment. But let's yeah. think about what the disciples went through. They recognised that in the moment when they were most needed, they were gone. Peter repented and gave his life to God afresh. And, and Jesus said to him, you, you will go where, where you will not want to go. And we know historically Peter um, was martyred for his faith. Here is a moment where the church can rise and be that Acts chapter two church and that church that unfolds in the book of Acts that turns Jerusalem and the whole of the Roman Empire upside down. But it starts with repentance. It starts with recognizing our failures. And it's then that the spirit of God can come and can move on us and in our weakness can become our strength. 
Yeah, so good. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. Um, I wonder, is there, a, is there a verse or a scripture for you, a story that's just sitting in your spirit that over these last few days, um, a verse that's resonating for you? Yeah, it's, it's a passage really of scripture um, and it's just generally the book of Nehemiah. Right. And it's particularly um, in Nehemiah where, where the challenge is, is you can't sit in your panelled houses while the walls are lying in rubble. And what were the walls? The, the walls maintained um, protection. The walls maintained the sanctuary of the city. The walls brought safety for those who were within um, the walls of the city. Um, and uh, um, what I want to say is, is, is that as Christians, God has not called us to have a comfortable middle-class lifestyle at the expense of those who are um, the last and the least. Um, God has called us to do our part in making sure that we have a community, we have a society that protects the most vulnerable, make sure that the wall is intact so that the most vulnerable are safe. Mm. And that is my challenge right now. Look, you know, I, I am blessed to have grown up in a, my parentage is, is Jamaican. My parents, the Windrush generation, came across here in the 50s. But my dad was a, was a deputy head teacher. He, 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 in, in the 70s, to be honest with you, when black people didn't hold those kinds of positions here in the UK. I've been fortunate to grow up to get a, a really, really, really good education. Um, some people will look at me and say, well, hey, Mike, you're a successful black guy. But, you know, I'm not satisfied with my success. I am saying, well, what about the last and the least? How can I stand with them? How can I support them? How can I make sure that the church is enabled to serve them? And I would just love to see more people doing that. And I think that this moment of coronavirus, where so many people have lost their jobs, have lost their income, have lost touch with their, their, their friends and, and, and their community because of lockdown, here is a moment where the church can be found feeding the poor, where the church can be found checking on the isolated, where the church can be found working with vulnerable people. My, my spouse has gone to work today for alternative education, TLG provision in South Birmingham, working with some of the most underprivileged children in the city. This is what God has called us to, not just having a comfortable lifestyle. And I'm not decrying those who are making a success of their life through business. God bless you. And God bless your business. But as the, um, as the apostles said to Paul in Galatians, don't forget the poor. Mm. 
Yeah. Thanks so much, Mike. Um, yeah. So grateful for your time. So grateful for your friendship, um, for your partnership and all of this. Um, and uh, yeah, thank you for speaking into our story and our journey at this time. Thank you, Adam. It's a great pleasure. Thank you also for your friendship and thank you for the beacon of light and hope um, that you are and that um, Yeovil Community Church is as well. God bless you guys. Thank you. Thank you.